0: Welcome to the business leadership series where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck.
1: And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. Today, I have Jeff McQueen with us. He is the executive director of the Mental Health Association of Nassau County. He's got a great story. We're just Jeff. Welcome, and let's just uh, let's have a good conversation. I want to learn more about you today.
0: Thanks, Derek. Thanks for having me. Um, so I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an odd thing. No one ever likes to talk about themselves, obviously. Um, but but I definitely have managed to allow myself to go full circle with life. Um, and it wasn't a planned event, right? Like some people choose their careers and I'm not sure that's exactly what happened to me. I think my career actually chose me. Um, you know, I'm a business major from college. I played basketball back in high school, thought I was gonna be an NBA player. Um, so so I never really sought to come into behavioral health or human services. Um, what did happen though, is that I experienced trauma at a young age um, and I'm not exactly sure how to define all the events that happen right what i will tell you is that uh, for my life and what i was living i found life extremely difficult and I, and i think that's all that matters right you have you have three yeah. people on the corner who witness a car accident and all three take away something different from right. the car accident right and sure. so we don't get to pick uh how trauma will exemplify itself in our lives we just know that we experience it and, and so a lot of the results of what I had dealt with led me into uh, a lot of drug addiction and incarceration and dealing with mental illness and or, or what I would prefer to call emotional stress, right? Emotional distress wow. um, that led me to uh, mental health diagnoses and, and a lot of hospitalizations and medicines and you name it. And and. The, the back end, and just to fast forward, because I don't think that the real story is in the trauma. I think the real story is in the recovery. And so, so coming through all of that, I found myself at a place where I just seemed to be able to connect with people really well, I, I guess, because I was able to identify from my own experiences. and I, and, and so because of the the history um, getting into the world of finance wasn't going to be that easy of a, a thing anymore. Right. So, right. Uh, so I remember people just saying, you'll be a great teacher or you would be, Oh, you do so good at this. And you do so good at that. And I said, you know what? I think I do want to be in a position where I feel like my lived experience becomes a pathway for other people's recovery.
1: Wow. Well, at, at a, uh that's a that's an interesting transition, too for you. you. you It wasn't your plan A. It may not have been your plan B or C either. And right. I just I, I'm curious before we keep going is I, I love to hear about mindset because your story is not a lot of others, and that's why you're helping and that's why you're doing what you do. What was a mindset that you were able to get past and say, look, i'm gonna I'm going I'm gonna start the next chapter of my life and use this for good and to make an impact on others. What do you remember that defining moment for you? So,
0: I think the defining moment was I had arrived at a place where the Jeff, the child, Jeff, that had aspirations to play basketball, the child Jeff that thought at that time, when I, before I went to college, I said, I'm going to be an architect, right? I I just was in love with buildings and I wanted to design buildings. And um, so that child, that guy, um, I didn't recognize him anymore. I had arrived right. at this place where I would look in the mirror and I would see myself and I didn't know him. I didn't know who he was. What I did know was that everywhere I went, I felt better than and smarter than. I just always felt like you're too smart for this. You're better than this. Right. You, you know, better than this. You were raised better than this. This is just the core of what always existed. And I, but yet and still, I found myself in those places, doing those things. Um, so I just I had gotten to a place where I just said, this isn't it, Jeff. We're not doing this like this. This, this present situation is not gonna be your final destination. We're gonna change this around. And, and I knew that there was some simple things that I needed to change. Um, I knew I, I needed to uh, get involved in my recovery, both with substance use and mental illness, I knew that I needed to uh, create a level of consistency in my life that allowed me to do the same thing day in and day out, right? And not deviate from the path based on my desires. Um, And that's what I did. I just put one foot in front of the other and I made sure I was consistent about my life. Uh, Today, I often wish people an intentional day. And that's what it was. I had to make my days intentional. I knew what I was leaving my house to do that day, and and I did it. I went out to do exactly what my day was supposed to be, and I returned
1: home without deviating from the path. That's that's incredible, and 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 it sounds good to do. And I'm sure others had good intentions. Again, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the plan today. I, I I must imagine though, this isn't a setup, but I must imagine that you had some kind of support around you to help you accountability or support system? What was the key to to good intention and also follow through? What what were those missing pieces that this time when you did it, you stayed on track?
0: So I think that, and it's it's not a setup question. It's actually a very good question. It's very important for anyone on a pathway of recovery to know that you have to surround yourself by like-minded people. It's also important to, if you are going to get in a car and you've never been to Walla Walla, Washington, then you're going to need a map. Today we use GPSs, but you're going to need it, right? You, you're not going to get in the car and arrive at that location without first having a map that's going to get you to that destination. And mm-hmm. so that's what I did. I surrounded myself with people, one, who already been to Walla Walla, Washington. So they knew the way. And then two, people who were willing to be open and honest with me about the mistakes and the things that I was doing, whether it hurt my feelings or not, right? I had to surround myself by people who were willing to say, Jeff, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Do not do that, you know? And and while I may not want to hear it in the moment, and and later on, though, I would be like, you know what, you were right. It is a dumb idea, and I'm not going to do it. Uh-huh. And that's what it took. It took me to surround myself with like-minded people to help me stay on the path. Does that mean I never deviated? Of course not. Right. Of course I still deviated, right? Who, who has a success story without mistakes, right. you know? So right. so of course I deviated. But the people around me allowed me to make take risks. They allowed me to fall, and they didn't leave me. They were there to help me get up, dust myself off, and continue on the path. You know, because of this, the mistakes became stepping stones, Uh -uh. right? They became part of the journey and they became lessons for me to look back at and and reference points for me to realize that, okay, so this is something that you note to self. You don't want to do that. (laughs) You know, that's that's what it became. It became a, a pattern of learning from life and not allowing
1: myself to repeat the same mistakes over. I think there's two important mindsets you had there that without those, one is you were willing to learn and other things you're willing to listen. Maybe it made you mad or maybe you didn't listen to it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that kind of transitions our conversation because, you know, I think in my life, like some of the times when I was at the lowest points, they were dark valleys in my life. I don't want to go through them again. And mm-hmm. at the time they, they I didn't know how what it was going to mean for me on the other side. I just had to get through that moment. And I didn't realize that those moments, those things were actually what was going to help me help other people later on down the road that were going through the same thing because I'd walked in their shoes and I had physically been there. And there's something really, not nostalgia, but something kind of a redemption of looking back and going, oh, wow, I went through that for a reason. And now I'm here and I'm helping other people that are going through this exact thing. Tell me about now what you do and the impact that you're seeing it make on others' life and how you draw. I mean, you, no one can relate to it more than you with the people that you help.
0: This is so true. Um, you know, when I first came to uh, the Mental Health Association of Nassau County, uh, I I took an entry level position, even with a master's degree. And, and it wasn't because I was concerned about the amount of money I was going to make, it was about the kind of work I was going to do. Mm. Uh, and so I took the position and when I, when I came on board, uh, it was as a housing counselor, and and I really just was eager to meet the residents. I was just eager to meet people in there where they were and hear their stories and share my story. And, and because of the path that I had already walked, because of the journey uh, I took to get out of those dark places, my caseload became healthier right, right? Like they were doing well they got healthier they were they were they were changing leaps and bounds you know and it wasn't because i was this amazing person it wasn't anything that i did differently than anyone else what made the difference between me and any other counselor was my lived experience uh, right today i call it lived right. experience but right. but but it was because I had the ability, one, the connection, because people aren't always, and I just noticed from from uh, substance use history and being a drug counselor that most people who are battling addiction aren't very interested to hear a lot from textbook counselors. They'll listen, and they'll do the work. They'll go to programs, and they'll do what you're telling them to do because they do have an innate desire to stop using, Right. Uh but but they can't connect the dots because what you're giving them isn't helping them bring their trauma to life. They can't, right. there's no connection in the trauma. Right. You're suggesting that, look, you're in that box and this is what you should do to get out of that box. And it just sounds so different when I jump in the box and say, listen, they're like, what are you doing? Listen, don't worry about it. I've been in this box. A thousand times. I know my way out of it. The question is, right. do you really want out the box? Yeah, one right. out the box. Okay, well, this is what you need to do. Wow. You know, and that's the that's the difference. That's the difference in the connection. Um, and so I just feel that today, um, and you know, listen, today I'm the executive director of the organization. I'm, I'm not a housing counselor anymore. Um, and it's been a fast growth, but but the day-to-day for me today is really about carrying the torch and the vision for the organization so that this amazing staff that I have can continue to do the amazing work that they do. Right. It's, it's real. And I'll just give you a quick analogy. So when I was a housing counselor, my caseload was 24 and I only had the ability to impact 24 lives. When I became a supervisor, right. I was overseeing a few people. And so my ability to impact maybe 70 was there. When I became a director, my ability to impact maybe three or 400 was there, right? So as I grow through the stages of development in the organization, the impact that I have now influences more. And so as the executive director, I get to uh, weigh in and impact uh, the excellence of the staff to, to impact the multiple thousand peoples that we serve every year. Right. And that's so that's that's right. the influence. That's also the motive between wanting to even climb the ladder because I never right. had a desire to be an executive director or a CEO of an organization. That's not True. who I wanted to be. But I did want to impact more and more. And I knew I couldn't do that. Staying on that level. I had to allow my influence to be spread far and wide in order to be able to do that. I had to go higher. Hmm. Right. Like it's yeah. it's, it's like a, a skyscraper. You don't see a lot from the first floor window. The higher up in the building you go, the more vision
1: that you can see. So right. More impact you can have. I love that. I love that motive for growth and for, for uh for change of positions. Jeff, we're gonna talk about this walk in just a minute, but give me give me the idea of the of the problem, like the size and scope. I've I've heard some numbers, but just I mean for those that are listening, go, yeah, I know that's an issue, but like what how big of an issue and a challenge is it, especially in your community? Like, just tell me the size.
0: So so the, the numbers are astronomical. I mean, listen, on Long Island, we have approximately 2.8 million people. We serve as the second largest veteran population in the country, 173,000 veterans, wow. right? The opioid epidemic is so astronomical that It seems to be the living focus of both counties at this particular point. Uh. We just underwent two years of a pandemic that gave us numbers, second to none of a combat war. Nowhere else in the country will you hear of 700 people a day dying other than in war. But we we experienced that in New York from COVID-19, right? Then to go further, we watched our country divide from a simple election, simple election. We've had hundreds of elections, right? Mm -hmm. But from simple election, we watched our country divide so much that they even stormed its own Mm capital. And then we just had the onset of trauma in our uh, uh, black and brown community with the George Floyd incident and watching Mm -hmm. police officers, you know, and the social injustice, right? So our community right now is traumatized. They're traumatized, right, on all levels. And this isn't about race or ethnicity or gender, or right? This is not not a black and white conversation. Our community at large is traumatized. Like, and trauma is not an exempt of persons. It does not care who you are, what you look like or how much money you have or don't have, right? And so wow. here we are in a community that is completely traumatized where we're watching the overdose epidemic spiral out of control. We're looking at fentanyl being made in rainbow flavors for to to approach our children. We're watching tobacco products invented and in, in our our vaping products even be advertised in ways that it goes to our youth. Wow. You know? And so when you ask for the numbers and the size. I don't think that anyone is exempt right now. I wow. think that we're living mm-hmm. in a time where everyone is traumatized and 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 it doesn't it's not about who, it's about when. Mm. When will it become so much that you choose a different coping skill than the ones that you've been using? And so because it's so astronomical, this is bigger than our government. This takes a community, Wow! All right? This takes a community, right? Organi- there's not enough organizations, there's not enough psychiatrists and doctors out there, right, to be able to handle the scope of this magnitude. So it takes a community. We have to create community awareness and we also have to create community education so that individuals in our community, mothers, fathers, children, right? Husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, are able to identify signs and symptoms and have the resources for adequate referrals.
1: Wow, I mean you you paint a a, a dismal picture. I know there's hope. So my question oh, most Jeff- Most definitely there's hope. is what 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 someone listening right now that we've got listeners all over the country we're focusing on New York for, for in just a minute but so me what what do we do? Yes, watch for signs, be educated. What's the what's a what's a simple step? to say, okay, I want to take action and be a part of this because the scope is bigger than government and everything else. And we do need the community. To, we know that's the answer, right. coming together as a community. That's what's correct. the next? How do you actually do that? What's the next step? So, so I think the biggest inhibitor
0: is stigma. Hmm. And so and so, if you were to ask me, what what do we do, Jeff? We have to step on the stigma. We have to yeah. stop thinking that people have something wrong with them and understand that people simply have had something happen to them. There's a difference. There is such a difference. You would not laugh at or joke about or make fun of or or talk derogatorily to someone who's broke a leg. If you watch someone step off the curb, twist their ankle and break it, you wouldn't think nothing of it. You would be like, oh my God, you broke your ankle. Let's get you some help. Why are we so hesitant to, to reach out and support people who are living with substance use disorder and uh, emotional traumas. Why are we so hesitant to help them? It's no different. It's a wound. It's a wound that needs medical care, right? right? That needs attention and it needs the same level of love and compassion that you give to any other individual who is wounded. And so you ask, what do we do? We have to dash the stigma. We have to stop believing that people have something wrong with them, and understand that people just simply had something happen to them. And if we can just begin to take that approach, then we will become a more compassionate community and able to understand and hear that there are ways and and means for us to help and support other people. But as long as we have this belief that people are crazy and that something is wrong with them, then we don't want to help.
1: Wow. Jeff, thanks for sharing that. That was very helpful. Tell me about, so sports stars, sports stars, and community members come together to kick off the Mental Health Association of Nassau County Overdose Prevention and Awareness Walk. Uh, I know you've got like Garrett Coleman. We've had the chance to actually interview him uh, here before awesome. for, in the so past. Uh, Matt Bruss, former NBA forward. Others, tell me about this, the significance of this event and what you hope to achieve. And then let's t- share details so we can invite others to come and join. Okay, so I think the significance
0: of this event is that we want to use, we want to give Long Island a platform to connect. Um, I I can recall probably a month or two straight where every day on News 12, it was about fentanyl and overdose. Just like every day for like two months straight, fentanyl and overdose, 15-year-old girl. 13-year-old boy vaping, vaping. Probably thought they were smoking cigarettes or CBD, you know, vaping, but it had fentanyl in it. Right. Yeah. And and so I wanted to give, and I know some friends from my personal world of recovery who have overdosed in numbers, right? So I know a lot of I personally have overdosed twice. I'm just grateful right. to still be here that it didn't kill me, right? So so I wanted to give long island a platform to connect i felt that we needed a place to to stop overlooking it and to begin to make it a discussion to talk about it and bring it out in the open right so that it could die in the light of exposure so that Mm -hmm. people can begin to connect come out talk about it find ways to approach it overdose people who overdose um it's, it's accidental death. That's what we should understand, right? It's not a, it's not an attempt at uh, suicide, you know, it's accidental death, right? And so a person that overdoses, uh, we identify that as like the ultimate cry for help. All right. But it's a cry that went unheard because the person did overdose. So now the question is that we have to ask ourselves as a community, with so many cries, do we ignore them or do we allow their cry to count for someone else? And that's what I wanna do. Gone But Not Forgotten is about making sure that we allow people who have died by accidental suicide or accidental deaths from from overdose, that their voice does not go unheard, that their legacy becomes a platform to help those who are yet to come and those who are currently stuck in the opioid Pandemic, right? Epidemic. There are people out there using right now who would love to be able to connect with somebody with lived experience. There are family members out there right now that have daughters and sons and loved ones that they don't know what to do, but they would love to be able to have Narcan training and education about opioid addiction, right? And so we have to spread the hands. We have to become bigger and wider and better at engaging our community. And so Gone But Not Forgotten is that platform to make sure that the cries that have been heard become the cries to help those who are yet to come.
1: Thank you. And that's on October 8th, that's this Saturday, uh, Mental Health yep. Association of Nassau County, uh, Gone But Not Forgotten. And that's at uh, that's at Jones Beach. Yep, uh, Montana, New York, yes, Jones Beach State Park. If, if, if uh, our listeners want more information, is there a website or a place that they can go to, Jeff, Most to learn definitely.
0: more? definitely. Yep. They can go to www.mhanc.org. There's a tab that says Gone But Not Forgotten. It will walk you through everything that you need to do, right? Whether you want to donate or just walk, there's a way to register and just come out and walk. We welcome everyone, right? This is not as much about fundraising as it is about awareness. So as many people as come is equally as valuable to those that donate
1: that's october 5th that's uh, starts at 8 a.m october ceremony eight. at 9 yeah. a.m walk at 10 a.m and yeah. again that website is m h a n c dot com org m h a n c dot org, dot org. yeah jeff uh thank you so much for spending a few minutes i appreciate you sharing your story authentically i know you do I it do to you. help others and i know that's why you do it it's, it's that's obvious any final things that you want to share Um,
0: I think I said it all. I just uh, I think the primary thing um, is just to understand that it takes a village and we have to come together as a community if we want to have any impact on the concerns that we have within our society. Right. So this isn't just about overdose or substance use disorder and mental health. This is about everything, everything that we face as a community. We are better off together. Right. So we are better together.
1: Uh Jeff, thank you again for spending a few minutes with us today and you, for your man. story. And uh, and thank you for doing this walk as well. And we'll, we'll definitely share the word out there.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be.